Welcome back to Podcastification. In this episode, I want to share with you eight easy wins for your podcast. Or you could think of it as eight mistakes podcasters are making that you can easily avoid. My name is Kerry Green, and I am the Client Happiness Guy at PodcastFastTrack.com, and this is Podcastification. This show is all about podcasting, how to do it, how not to do it, best practices, interesting news items that have to do with the realm of podcasting, and who knows what else. And I'm trying to do it all with a little bit of fun and some information to help you get a show going, keep yours going, or make it better. And if you like what's going on here on the show, I would appreciate it, oh, so appreciate it, if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. You can find out how to do that at podcastfasttrack.com slash review. That's enough of that kind of stuff. Let's get you podcastificated right away. If you have never listened to podcastification before, I want to say, first of all, welcome. But second of all, I need to let you know that this episode is based on my experience. It's things that I observe. And you may wonder, well, why does your observations and experience really matter? Well, it really doesn't, except that I run a podcast editing and show notes business. And in that context, I get to see Lots more stuff than you do, most likely, when it comes to the way that podcasters are doing their podcasting. I get to see things they do well, which the majority of my clients are up to speed pretty quickly because we try real hard to educate them and help them and coach them along as they're doing this wonderful thing called podcasting. But it's in my marketing that I come across these things that I would honestly just consider mistakes, things podcasters do or don't do that they haven't really thought through in terms of their larger goals for what their podcast is about and what it is they're trying to accomplish. So in this episode, I want to walk through at least eight things that I've noticed that I feel like the average podcaster just isn't aware of in terms of their larger goals. Now, having said that, let me say this. These quote-unquote mistakes that I'm going to highlight in this episode are mistakes in my perception. You may not agree with me, and that's fine. But with each one, I'm going to explain to you why I think it's a mistake and what I would suggest they do instead. Because my goal with this podcast is to give you tips and tricks that help you optimize what you're doing as a podcaster. Let's dive right in. These are the eight things, and maybe more, that I've noticed podcasters doing recently that just don't make sense. Now, this very first mistake that I see podcasters do needs a little back-end explanation to it because there's some things about websites that podcasters don't necessarily understand. When Google or Bing or all the search engines out there are looking at the user's interaction with your website, one of the things that they are evaluating pretty heavily is how long a website visitor stays on your website. Now think that through for a minute. Google is able to tell how long Joe Blow spins on your great website once he shows up there. They can tell if he's there for three seconds and then bounces away, 
or they can tell if he comes to your website and camps out for a bit, reading this post, going over to that page, doing something on this page. You see, Google looks at all that kind of stuff and sees it as indicators of whether your website is providing that web searcher exactly what they were looking for or not. Okay, so with all that background in mind, I'm going to give you mistake number one that I see a lot of podcasters doing, and you will be surprised how many podcasters actually do this. Okay, and here it is. You go to their website, you see their tab that says podcast. You say, hey, I was looking for a podcast on this exact subject. You click on that link and it takes you to iTunes. Now stop and think about that for a minute. I understand you want to get people to go to iTunes and subscribe to your show there because those stats really matter. I get that you want them to go to iTunes and rate and review your podcast because it gives social proof that your podcast is actually worth listening to. But given what I just described about what that click away from your website to iTunes tells Google, what do you think the mistake is? The mistake is you are sending Google a message, albeit unintentionally, that the content on your website is not worth serving up to people who were searching what that searcher was searching for. Do you follow my logic? You see, if Google considers time on the page as a great indicator of whether that searcher is finding what they need, you've just told them they didn't find it here on this page because you sent them to iTunes. Now, I'm saying you hypothetically, obviously. You're a smart enough podcaster. I'm sure you're not doing that. But hey, if you are, don't take it personally. Just go fix the thing. And I'm going to tell you some of the ways you can do that. Here's what I would suggest. Whatever media host you are using, they are going to provide you a link to that episode. Or better yet, they may provide you an embeddable player that you can put right there on the podcast page, the show notes page for that particular episode. Do it, man. Figure out a way to get a player on your website because think about what's happening. When those people come to your website, they see you've got a podcast. Oh, there's an episode that I want to listen to. That sounds really interesting. They go to that show notes page and right there, conveniently located, is a great, attractive, functional player that they can just hit click and sit there and listen while they're at work, while they're tooling away on Facebook, while they're doing whatever. You see, that podcast player enables you to retain that visitor to that website page. So Google is looking and has their little clock ticking and saying, hey, this searcher got to this website page after doing such and such search, and they are spending a lot of time on that page. And Google's probably smart enough to tell they're using a web player, but that doesn't matter. Google just counts that they found a resource they see as valuable. And to Google, that means you provided them what they were looking for. So this whole listen link that goes to iTunes or podcast link that goes to iTunes, man, I think that's one of the biggest mistakes a lot of podcasters are making. So the solution, get a player on your website that shows those people how they can conveniently listen to that episode. And in so doing, you're increasing their amount of time on your website page which is giving you higher link juice or higher SEO juice 
in Google and Bing and all the other search engines that are out there. That's mistake number one. Let's move on to mistake number two. Okay, the number two mistake that I see podcasters doing quite often has to do with another little piece of the way the internet and podcasting works that you need to understand. So let me explain that first. iTunes in particular, which is the most influential and biggest podcast directory that exists. You can't argue with that. The stats prove it out. It's just the way it is. iTunes ranks podcasts primarily on two things length of time the podcast has been published, and subscriptions to that podcast in either the iTunes app or iTunes itself. Okay, so think that through for a minute. If iTunes is putting a lot of weight on whether or not people are subscribing to your podcast, then what should you be doing as a result of that fact? You should be encouraging people to subscribe to your podcast. That leads us to mistake number two. Okay. Mistake number two is kind of twofold. First of all, many podcasters that I see as I'm doing my marketing, I'm checking out their shows, I'm on their websites, kind of piddling around looking for what I can find. They don't have subscription options on their website, period. They just don't have it. They may have a good show notes page. They may even have a player that has a little subscription icon, but a lot of those, honestly, it isn't very obvious what that icon is and it kind of blends into the player. So to me, it's not really a subscription option because people don't really know what that goofy little icon stands for. So they don't have very well labeled and clear subscription options. Now you want to prominently display subscription options. Here's my solution. Prominently display it through big, bold text with a link or some kind of icon or something. I mean, the more prominent and obvious you can make it, the better. I suggest, even though Apple, iTunes, you know, Apple Podcasts, iTunes weights subscriptions heavily, and that means you want to get people to their platform. I also recognize there are a lot of people who don't use the Apple Podcasts app and do not use iTunes. I mean, they pull from iTunes, but they use another podcasting app to do that. So what do you do? Well, I provide subscription options to a lot of different places. You can look in the show notes description for this episode right there on your podcast player or at podcastfasttrack.com slash 84. And you can see we include a subscription option for iTunes or Apple Podcasts. We include one for Stitcher. We include one for iHeartRadio. We include one for Google Play. We include a lot of them. Even just subscribe on Android and subscribe by email. My methodology behind that or my reason behind my madness is I'm thinking I just want the listener. If they subscribe through Apple, that's great because that helps me in Apple's ecosystem. But if they subscribe, period, and are listening to my content, That's another set of ears I've got listening, another person who's buying into my brand and my message, and another person who I'm able to gain influence with so that when they come to the point that they need podcast editing or podcast show notes or whatever, who are they going to think about? They're going to think about me and Podcast Fast Track because they've heard about us week after week after week. And they're probably going to remember seeing subscription options in that description area. Now, Let me explain this to you as well. Those subscription options need to be both on your show notes page and on the main page of your website 
and in the description that goes into those podcast apps. And I would suggest you put it somewhere toward the top so it's easy to find. You see, and depending on your media host, that description that goes into your podcast apps is is in your media host description area in Libsyn, which is what I use primarily. It goes in the episode description. If you're using Blueberry PowerPress, it's actually pulling from the show notes page of your website. So you want to put your subscription options there. And this is mistake number two I see. So many podcasters are not encouraging people to subscribe, number one, either in the audio or on the actual page that their podcast can be found on. So that's mistake number two, not giving subscription options on your show notes pages, or for that matter, mentioning it even in your show. Let's move on to mistake number three. Okay, mistake number three has to do with episode titles. Okay, episode titles. You may not really realize this, but episode titles are very, very important when it comes to keyword optimization. Okay, and you may not even understand what keyword optimization is all about. But essentially, it's when someone goes into Apple Podcasts or iTunes and they search for something that they want to learn about from a podcast. You know, let's just say it's content marketing is what they're searching for. Well, your episodes that are about content marketing need to have the phrase content marketing in their title if that person has any chance of finding that episode. You see, keywords that people are actually going to search for are vital to discovery when it comes to searches in iTunes and also searches organically through Google and Bing and Yahoo and all the different search engines. So think that through for a minute. If you're doing an episode that is an interview with Bobby Smith and all you do is put episode 27 dash Bobby Smith. Well, the only way somebody's going to find that episode is if they're searching for episode 27, which nobody's doing, or if they're searching for Bobby Smith. Now it's conceivable. Somebody knows Bobby Smith really well and says, Hey, I bet he's done some interviews. And so they go into Apple podcasts and they search for Bobby Smith. Your episode may come up in that case. But think it through. People typically aren't searching for someone exactly by name. They're searching for a topic. They're searching for some issue that they want to be encouraged about or inspired about or get ideas about or discover answers for. Your podcast episode titles need to be optimized for keyword optimization in iTunes and in organic search. And I see podcasters making this mistake all the time. I mentioned to you, part of my marketing process starts with iTunes or Apple Podcasts. And I go there and I look through podcasts that are being published regularly. And I'm looking at their listing in iTunes. And you would be amazed the number of episodes I see that are exactly what I described to you. Episode 27, Bobby Smith. Or even worse, the name of their podcast, episode 27. That doesn't even have Bobby Smith in it. You see what I'm saying? You want to optimize those episode titles so that they can be used for keyword optimization. And people actually have a hope of finding the content you're putting out. That goes for iTunes. It goes for Stitcher. It goes for Google Play. It goes for any directory that you're on. And remember, 
the podcast apps pull from those directories and typically use the same sort of logic behind their search function. So no matter how someone is searching for your episode, they need keywords in those titles to be able to find that episode. So that's mistake number three, episode titles that do nothing for keyword optimization. Let's go on to mistake number four. Hey, we will get back to the episode right after this short break. I promise. Do you have questions about podcasting? I just might have some answers for you. You can go to podcastfasttrack.com slash question and leave your question or comment. Who knows? You might hear your melodious voice on the next episode. I always keep my promises. So here we go. When I go to a website where there's a podcaster and they're obviously selling something, they're obviously trying to promote their brand and their coaching and get people to work with them and that kind of thing. And there's no contact info anywhere on their website. No email address, no form to fill out, no phone number. I mean, come on. If you want someone to work with you, you got to make it easy for them to work with you. Now, let me make a little caveat here, okay? Many of the websites I'm describing to you, I have to give them credit. They do have social media connections on there. So they'll have a little Twitter icon or a Facebook icon or something like that. And I get it. A lot of people want to be contacted through social. That's fine. But let me suggest something to you. This is not about you. This is about your listener. This is about your potential client. This is about a possible customer finding an easy way to connect with you. You want to make it as easy as possible. When I go to a website and there's no email address anywhere on the website, I mean, I look in their about page, I look in their contact page, I look everywhere I can. And if there's no email address or there's no web form for me to fill out to contact that person directly, and I have to go through social, this may just be me. I may be a weirdo on this, but it communicates to me that they are trying to protect themselves from actually having to communicate with people who may have questions for them or people who may want to ask them for tips about their brand. I mean, because there are a lot of those people out there. There are a lot of people who are either trolls who are trying to be critical or people who are trying to get, get, get and never give, give, give. I mean, that's just part of the internet game that we all have to play. But when you make it hard for people to connect with you and you funnel them into this massive funnel of social media that everybody's having to go through. There's no chance of personal connection right off the bat. There's no way they can talk to you directly, even if they wanted to. To me, you're communicating a very negative message to that person who maybe, just maybe, is really wanting to connect with you on a personal level for something more important than just getting your latest hack about such and such. They might be a person with serious questions, a person who is eager to talk with you about consulting or doing work with you or whatever, and you're making it hard. So that's exactly what I see as mistake number four. No contact info on your website. Let's move on to mistake number five. Mistake number five, I guess, is actually a piece of mistake number four. It's really the same issue, but it's in a different platform. 
when you have no contact info in the description area of the podcast players that people are using, because, you know, stats are showing that more and more and more podcast listens are happening via mobile devices. Now, granted, that includes tablets of different sorts, and it includes Bluetooth through a car that's connected to a smart device. But regardless, those people are typically away from their computer. So even if you are sharing your contact information verbally, you're usually doing that through giving an email address on the audio of the podcast, or you're doing it through giving a web link in the audio of the podcast. Isn't it a lot easier and doesn't it just make more sense if you say swipe right or left to the description area of this episode and the contact information is right there at the top of the page you see to me that makes a lot more sense because you're making it easy for that person whether they're driving whether they're at the gym whether they're in their office whether they're in the middle of something where they can't get to a computer screen you're making it easy for them to swipe and tap and send you a message. To me, that's a no-brainer. You want people in your audience to be able to engage with you because the more engaged your audience becomes, the more effectively you're going to begin to interact with them and understand their needs so that you can produce better content, which produces more loyalty, which produces more initiative on their part to share your content with other people. You see where I'm going with this. It's a domino effect that begins. And I believe it begins with the ease with which people can contact you. And you need to do that in your player description, as well as on your website, like I mentioned in mistake number four. And again, in this one, in my opinion, social doesn't count. I mean, yes, a lot of people are great about connecting through social and we have all the chat bots now with Facebook Messenger and all that stuff. That's all great. It's wonderful. If it works for you, do it. But man, I just think the personal touch, allowing someone to reach out and connect with you directly is much, much better. That's mistake number five. Let's move on to mistake number six. Okay, mistake number six has to do with how you list your podcast in the various directories. Now, like I mentioned, I spend a lot of time in Apple Podcasts or in iTunes, as it used to be called. And I see what a lot of podcasters are doing in terms of how they post their episode into the directory. When you post into the directory, you're able to provide a cover art image. You're able to provide your episode title, your show title, rather. You're able to post a description of your show. And there are all kinds of mistakes I see when it comes to the way that people are posting to the directories. But I'm just going to talk about one, and that is the cover art that people are putting in their podcast description, All right? Cover art is a big deal. It's a big deal for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's visual, and we are visual creatures. We love our eye to be drawn to something that's either intriguing or pleasing or colorful, or curiosity-provoking. You know what I'm saying? You just open up iTunes next time you're sitting at your computer screen. When you have a big computer screen, and it's essential you do this with a big, a big screen, because what I'm going to say to you will be more obvious when you're looking at this on a big screen. You look on that big screen, you pull up iTunes, and you go to podcasts, and you go to business. And then if you scroll to the bottom of the business section, there's a section for List all, click on that link and let that window open up. 
Because iTunes is so clunky, especially on PC, it's going to take a while to load all the cover art, but just sit there and let it load the cover art and then start scrolling through the list. And you're going to notice what I'm saying almost immediately. There is some cover art that just pops. I mean, man, it stands out. You see it, you're drawn to it. You're curious about what that show is simply because the image is eye-catching and appealing. It draws you in. It doesn't have too much text. It doesn't have too little text. It has great colors. It has good graphics. It's professionally done. I mean, it's something that draws you in. And then you're going to see some others that are pretty generic. They're kind of blah. They might have a corporate logo that's honestly kind of boring and ugly. And they might have tons of text on them. Those are asking people not to click. It's like saying, don't click on me. I'm boring. Don't click on me. I'm not done professionally. Don't click on me. I don't have anything to offer you. And again, these are my opinions, but I think they hold true because the whole issue of design, the whole realm of digital marketing is about visual. It's about getting yourself noticed. All you have to do is look at the directory in iTunes for yourself and realize, man, if that cover art doesn't look great, You are doing yourself and your show a disservice. Now, let me just put your mind at ease on this. If you look at your cover art and you say, yeah, mine's kind of blah and it's kind of clunky and I did do it on MS Paint, so it is a little unprofessional, then never fear. You can go into your media host account at any time, whether that's Blueberry or Libsyn, or if you're using the Blueberry PowerPress player or Spreaker or Podbean or wherever you're hosting your media. You can go in there at any time and add new cover art. You can change it. And the next time that the directories ping your feed, they're going to pull that new cover art because they're going to be told there's a change and they're going to make that change on their platform. That's just a beautiful thing. Now, there are some exceptions because there are some of the directories out there who ask you to upload your cover art to their server. I think Stitcher is one of those, if I remember correctly. On those, you're going to have to go back and update it yourself manually on each little platform, which is really a bummer, but that's just the way they do it. But it's worth it because making your podcast appealing in the places where people are searching for podcasts is a big deal. I changed up my cover art for podcastification after I got started because the text I felt was just kind of boring and it just didn't do much for the cover art. And the way that I changed it with all the splashy, I don't know what you call it, outlining and stuff around the letters, man, it just, it just booms now. And it's, I like it. And I think most people like it compared to what I had before. You can go back to some of the early episodes. And I think if you look on the player that's on those pages, you'll see, man, that podcast cover art was boring. How about this? I'll do this so you can see an example on the show notes page for this episode, which you can find at podcastfasttrack.com slash 84. And on the description on your podcast app, I'll post a before and after copy of my cover art so that you can see an example of the kind of effect changing your cover art can have. So if you have cover art that doesn't catch the eye and that tells very little about your show, I would suggest you change it as soon as you possibly can. Make it good, make it colorful, make it catchy, make it provoking so that you can get your podcast cover art working for you instead of against you. Hey, that was mistake number six. Let's move on to mistake number seven. All right, mistake number seven has to do also 
with how podcasters are listing their shows in the directories. And again, these are things that you can change in your media host if you discover this is something you haven't done well with. Now, I'm going to speak specifically to iTunes because iTunes has this little option. If you search for any kind of show, I mean, you can do it right now. Go to iTunes. You can search for podcastification. When you see the different options come up, you'll primarily see my show, Podcastification, and you'll see Libsyn because I've been mentioned on the Libsyn podcast a number of times on various episodes because I've submitted questions. You'll see primarily those two come up, click on the cover art for my show, and then you'll see the Podcastification page open up. Now, if you notice over on the left-hand column about halfway down, you'll see a link for website. If you click on that link, where does it go? Now, in the old way that you had to submit a show to iTunes, it was a little confusing as to what link you were supposed to put in there. They didn't make it real clear. And so a lot of people put a link in there that wasn't the right link. I mean, that link, what I would suggest is you put in the link to your website where you want people to go. It's your branded content. It's where they can see more of the goodies that you provide and the good content you're creating. That's where you want to send them. But you know what I find a lot of times? When I click on that link to go to their website, say I'm interested in striking up a conversation with them about whether they need a service like ours, you know what I find? It'll redirect me back to iTunes again sometimes. You know, their actual iTunes feed address. So I wind up on the same page again. It's like this vicious circle that just goes around and around. That You don't want that. Sometimes people will put in there a link to their Stitcher page. What? I don't get that. Sometimes they'll put a link to their Podbean page. I mean, I don't get that either. You want them going to a place where they can see more of your brand. They can see more of what you have to offer. So when you put your show into the directories, make that link go somewhere where they can find out more about you and your podcast. Okay. That's again, just my opinion, but it's an opinion that to me makes total sense. You want that iTunes website link going to your property so that you have control over what people see once they get there. That's mistake number seven. Let's go on to mistake number eight. Okay, mistake number eight, I think, is one of the bigger ones. And this is going to be a personal opinion thing. Just like I said at the beginning, you got to understand that. And there are some cases that prove me wrong on this to a degree, but I'm going to try to answer that objection as well. And here's what the mistake is that I think people are making. They are naming their actual podcast, not just an episode. They're naming their actual podcast something that does not tell a listener or a potential listener immediately what that podcast is about. They get cutesy or they decide to use their already existing brand name for the name of their podcast. I get it. I totally get it. I mean, there are things out there that prove me wrong. But imagine if someone's going through the iTunes directory or Stitcher or Google Play and they see your podcast and the title of your podcast does not tell them what your podcast is about. Why are they motivated to click on that? It's a mystery to them. And they're going to have to take that extra step to click on it. And curiosity is going to have to get the better of them for them to say, yeah, I'm going to click on this because I'm curious what this is. That happens very seldom in my experience. I mean, when I'm going through the podcast directory, I usually am not going to click on those shows. Now I do anyway, because I'm doing marketing and I'm wanting to see if maybe this is a good podcaster who's just making a few mistakes that perhaps I can help with. You see, that's a place I can add value, but I'm telling you, I have to fight my instincts. 
Because my instinct is not to click on that cover art because the title doesn't tell me anything about the show. Now, let's use this show's podcast name for an example. Podcastification. It's kind of cutesy, isn't it? I mean, I have to admit that. It's a little sticky in a way, but I kind of wanted the show to be sticky. I wanted it to kind of have that fun feel to it. But also, I intentionally put the word podcast in the title because I wanted people to know this show is about podcasting. Now, you would have to tell me when you hear that name initially, when you first heard it, did you immediately think the show was about podcasting? Or did you think it was something related to podcasting? I mean, there's all kinds of ways you can interpret the title, obviously. But I think it's good enough that it gets people who are interested in podcasting to at least click on the show and find out more. But when you have a show name that has nothing to do with what you're actually talking about, I mean, say your show is about content marketing and your show is called, oh man, let me come up with a name here, Compelling. Or something like that. It's like, what? Compelling. I mean, that could be about writing. That could be about web design. That could be about graphic arts. That could be about personality traits. It could be about life coaching. I mean, there's all kinds of things that show title could be about. You see, you don't want that. You want to have a show title that, again, goes back to that keyword issue, has keywords in it that iTunes can pull when people search for that keyword. And actually put your show into the search rankings when people are trying to find you. I mean, to me, that's just an obvious thing, but it's something I see a lot of podcasters doing that really is kind of shooting themselves in the foot. So those are my eight observations from a lot of time I spend every week in iTunes in particular, going through, looking at podcasts, looking at the stuff they're doing and the stuff they're not doing, and just wanting to coach you along. Hey, these are things you can improve, things you can change in the way you post and promote your content that will actually help you get more listeners for your podcast and more SEO juice from Google. And that's really what we all want, isn't it? Hey, you know what time it is. It's time for you to go out and make it a podcastificating day. This show is brought to you by Podcast Fast Track, where my team provides professional podcasting services without the time suck. Full production, editing, and show notes, all in one monthly subscription package. You can find out more at podcastfasttrack.com. Now go out and make it a podcastificating day. Audio editing and show notes by podcastfasttrack.com. Get 15% off your first month by mentioning this show.